It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. That was my uh, cue, right? From the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, however you're seeing or watching or listening to the show, I hope you're doing okay. It's Friday. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn Properties. That's right, if you're going to be traveling and you need to, uh, you know, stop and rest and stay at a hotel, well, don't stay anywhere other than a Holiday Inn property. My favorites, Holiday Inn Resorts, and, of course, the Holiday Inn Express. Well, here's the thing. We can get you the Billy C. discount the next time you book a room. Just use our toll-free number, 844-603-0364, or just click the banner up on BillyCBoxing.com. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant, adamant, <laughs> I sound like Bernard Osuna uh, last night, I feel so adamant. I find out why I'm so rad- <clears throat> find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And by the way, if you're looking to get a signed copy, uh, just visit BillyCBoxing.com and click on the book. If you want more than one copy, we'll give you a special price and just email me directly, Billy at Talkin Boxing. T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Listen. I want to answer a lot of questions. A lot of people have been asking me about the International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. I will not be up there. Uh, got some other stuff going on, uh, and uh, I won't make it this year. It will, actually, uh, since it started, I think I've, I think this might be the fifth time only uh, since uh, since it started. Uh, geez, what, 20, 20-something years ago. 
so uh, no, I won't be up there. So if you're looking to get a copy of the book, just drop me an email. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, coming up a little bit later uh, on the show, uh, Dax Khan will be uh, stopping by. Uh, he will be giving us his uh, thoughts on the uh, on the fight schedule for this weekend. Uh, speaking of the fight schedule for this weekend, uh, I'll be breaking down and giving you my predictions uh, on uh, the major fights. We're going to be t- we're going to be breaking down and uh, predicting three. Uh, the Lee Selby, Josh Warrington, uh, Gary Russell Jr., and Jojo Diaz Jr., the Battle of the Juniors. And, uh, of course, the uh, uh, light heavyweight title fight between uh, Badu Jack and uh, Adonis Stevenson. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. I also got a bunch of emails to read. And, uh, I, you know, before we get started, you know, we are uh, in our 15th year. We are uh, moving ahead with a birthday uh, celebration event that we're going to be doing uh, sometime in September. Um, I've been asked a lot. I, people have already made their uh, reservations. I, I got a, uh, a, a comment uh, this morning. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Slim Figure, he's a, a musician. Uh, he wants to come and he wanted to know if he could perform. So I, said, I, I don't even know. Uh, the size of the venue yet. I don't even know how many people are coming. So we are working on it. Uh, so uh, get on the list. Drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, because most likely it's going to be tied in with the uh, Mexican holiday uh, weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll see uh, Triple G uh, beat the snot out of Canelo. And space will be limited, so you, you, you got to get your, your your spot now. At least for that night, space will be limited. So uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Anyway, since we're in our fifteenth year, uh, we are on uh, all platforms available: television, radio, internet, uh, podcast, YouTube, and on demand. Um, and speaking of YouTube. We've actively tried to build our uh, YouTube uh, presence. It's something that we really uh, just began to take seriously. So uh, if you're watching or listening on uh, uh, YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe and make sure you spread the word around. And make sure you give us a super chat. No, but uh, anyway, let's kick off the show with the uh, fights from last night. And, uh, you know, the ESPN2, it was a Golden Boy card. Um, the main event, let's talk about that. Uh, Romero uh, Dano improved to 17-1 uh, with 14 knockouts uh, when he uh, won a unanimous decision over Gilberto uh, Gonzalez, or, or uh, as uh, Bernard Osuna would say, uh, Gilberto Fraco Gonzalez. You know, I mean, uh, man, what is it with that? What, what is it with the extra... Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, enhancement of the word, I, whatever. I murder name, so maybe he's saying it right. But uh, what a fight. If you missed this fight, go back and check it out. I mean, I, you know, here it is. I, I picked Dano because age and stuff. And I made a, a statement yesterday when I was breaking down the fight. I said, well, Gilberto Gonzalez isn't a typical Mexican fighter. He's more of a boxer. Man. Did he uh, make me look like an idiot? Because he stood toe-to-toe uh, with uh, 
Deneau, uh pretty much for the night. It, it was interesting because towards the end of the fight, I think it was in the uh, eighth round, the fight was only ten rounds, uh, Deneau landed a body shot. It was right in the middle of, like, the most exciting, you know, back-and-forth round, you know, a, a potential round of the year. And all of a sudden, after they're, they're hammering each other back-and-forth, back-and-forth, uh, Gonzalez, I mean, uh, Dano lands a body shot on Gon- Gonzalez in in a flurry, within a flurry of punches because he hit the body and he went back to the head. And all of a sudden, it was like you, you hit that magic button because Gonzalez all of a sudden stopped throwing punches, took a step back, kind of was crouching down. And I honestly don't think Dano, uh saw that he had his opponent in such uh, a peril because uh, he let him get off the hook. Uh, they both kind of took off the following round, and then uh, it ended. But what a great fight. Uh, the way the judges scored it, two of them had it 97-93. One had it just a point different, 98-92. Uh, some of those early rounds were closer than the scores cards would uh, suggest, but uh, the right guy won, in my opinion. Joining me right now to get his thoughts on the fight is uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good fight, huh? Oh, boy, it was a war. It was a great fight. And uh, as you said, I think the uh, fight itself appeared to be closer than what the score yielded. But uh, it was a good fight. And definitely, uh, uh, Duno did win that fight in my eyes as well. Um, there were a couple things. I thought round two, uh, I thought that was a legitimate knockdown. Um, I, I know they scored at a slip or so. I didn't see him step on his foot or so. I have to look back. But he did fall down. He was off balance. But the punch did put him on his butt. So I, I, I thought that should have been a knockdown. I, I uh, agree. I agree. When it happened, I saw clearly that the punch landed. But because we had the luxury of seeing a, a replay, he, uh, Dano had his, uh, you know, stepped on top of his foot. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That was that. That's that, a tough call, you know. I mean, the foot intertwines, but a punch, like you it, said, caused a knockdown. Well, it, it did. It clearly did. And I, I didn't see if he stepped on his foot or if his foot just got tangled with his foot. But the bottom line is the guy went over with the momentum from the blow of the punch. So, you know, I, I think that that could have been easily scored in a 10-8 round or, or a knockdown as well. But And then round six, what a war that was. Man, the, you talk about the ebb and flow. That, that round was going back and forth. And again, I think it was a preliminary of what that body shot in the later rounds was going to do because uh, he, um, uh, Deneau did stop the momentum of Gonzalez coming on in that round with some good body shots on the inside. But that was a war that round. It was it was a great fight, great fight. You had two guys willing to exchange, stay in the pocket, doing some great inside fighting, You know, using a little defense and using a lot of offense. So it was, I, I was very impressed with the, both fighters. You know, I could be wrong. Uh, that sixth round could very well be the one I was talking about. That that was the round that it was nonstop from the beginning non-stop. of the battle. Yeah. Nonstop. It was yeah. a war. They were well, in pocket. And they, were, they were coming on. I, I was giving Gonzalez the first half of the round until he got slowed down with some body shots, and then Dano just came on and closed out the round. Well, that bot, the one shot uh, just stopped Gonzalez in his tracks. Yes. And it, he stopped throwing punches. And if you noticed, he kind of he crouched down a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, and I don't think Dano saw that he was in trouble. Uh, you know, the one thing I did notice about Gonzalez, I mean, listen, the guy's a warrior and everything else. Um, 
but uh, he, he seemed to be fighting small when he had this height and read advan reach advantage. I was curious to see why he wasn't, uh, um, you know, fighting tall and, and make uh, Deneau really work. The other thing is that his corner gave him zero Zero, uh, zero uh, stuff. They were rah rah men, but they weren't yes. telling him anything to do, what to do. No or instructions. No, no, no. And uh, okay, you're doing good. You're, you're doing, doing good. Yeah, <laughs> you give me more. Keep it no, up. Yeah, keep it. Do this better. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I, know. I know. It's like uh, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, well, but wah, wah. You know. But uh, and you know what he said? I don't know. They were speaking Spanish. I do know. I do know. <laughs> yeah, I do know. But you know, uh, I, I thought that the referee. He did an okay job, but, you know, how many times... He warned Gonzalez, I think, three times throughout that fight, uh, soft warnings for for ramming him with his shoulder. He kept uh, doing the old... Uh, I, I mean, he was using that shoulder better than I've seen some NFL players use it to block, you know? So uh, I was a little uh, disappointed that the referee didn't give him a stern warning, especially after the second time. And the other thing I thought I noticed was... Um, when uh, when when Gonzalez they clashed heads early in the fight, and it was right after Dano landed a couple of good shots to the head that started the swelling to to begin uh, on uh, Gonzalez's eye, and then after that, uh, you know they they clashed heads, and Gonzalez kind of looks and he points to the referee. You know that was a clash of heads, and then the referee turns and says. The eye was caused by a clash of heads. And I'm saying, wait a minute, that that had already started to happen. So therefore, if that fight, if if they would have, if the team, Gonzalez team would have said that we can't continue, I think they would have went to the scorecards and not uh, been able to uh, cause that a TKO. Did, did you notice that? Or? I, I picked up a little bit on that, and uh, I didn't think uh... – you know, like like you said, it was after the fact kind of a thing, and uh, it didn't uh, appear to be that grave of an incident. But you never know; that could have busted open his whole head, you know, and and uh, blood could have spewed all over the place. But uh, you know, fortunately, it did not. And uh, but it, it it could have been a little bit different than what it played out to be. Well, yeah. Well, I, I just you know, I, sometimes the fighters have a tendency to drive the referees. And I Sometimes. think, yeah, and I think that the referees sh should be in 100% control, you know. And uh, if you're going to warn a fighter for doing something not that they're not supposed to, like in this case, Gonzalez's shoulder, then after the second or, or from the second time, you warn them once, nice, hey, watch out for the shoulders. It happens again, you got to give them a stern warning. And then on the third time, you got to either say, hey, next time you're, you're getting a point or take the point. He didn't do any of those things. They were all kind of soft warnings. I saw three, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. Aside from that, it was a, it was a great main event, and uh, you know this kid uh, Dono uh, has uh, uh, a way to go. He, um, you know, he's on his way. I should say. He the one thing the one thing is he kind of did run out of gas a little bit. Uh, but but his age saved him. He was able to recover f fairly quickly. But I give a lot of credit to Gonzalez because he made Me it. An he made it an exciting fight. That's for exciting sure. Exciting fight. He made the fight. It was the right dance partner for the last night. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it can't take anything away. I th like like I, I called it yesterday. I thought he would rise to the occasion, and uh, I thought he would put put it all on the line and, and leave it in the ring. And he did. 
So, uh, you know, good for him. He, uh, he proved he's still a warrior. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I would think that he definitely, uh, you know, landed himself a, another couple of big fights. I mean, uh, he went the distance. It wasn't like he got uh, uh, blown out of there, you know. No. But, uh, oh, coaches uh, fill us in. It's National Pizza Day. Hey, congratulations. Is it really? Oh, you, you should, if anybody should know, you should know that, Sal. Well, yeah, it's another American-made holiday. Yeah, it's yeah. Like Mother's <laughs> Day and all these other. You know, I think Hallmark makes half these holidays. Yeah, just so they can sell more cards, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. But, listen, we got well, a couple. Yeah, of... got, you know, I, I don't even know. One day is National Secretary Day, and has National, uh, 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 yeah, whatever it is, whatever occasion. I think Hallmark has to make those holidays up. Well, I'm glad somebody is because. Uh, uh, Hallmark uh, needs people to still buy cards. Uh, now they have the electronic cards, and even there, just like the post office, thank God, is I getting hate those them. electronic cards. <laughs> I can't stand them. All right, let's get some emails uh, going here. Um, first and foremost, uh, my man Jesse says, Hey, guys, uh, here are my picks for the weekend. He's predicting that uh, Badu Jack will knock out Adonis Stevenson in nine. He says uh, Zuski will uh, win a unanimous decision over Lug. Uh, Oscar Rivas will uh, knock out uh, Hubbero late. Selby winning a close split decision over Warrington. Uh, Catterall winning a unanimous decision over Canny. Tetley, unanimous decision over Cartwright. And Diaz, a split decision over Russell. Um, we're only going to be breaking. <coughs> Thanks for all the picks, uh, Jesse. But I'll we're only we're yeah, only like breaking down three. Way to go. Yeah, we're only breaking down three. But uh, uh, anyway, he says, "Hey, Billy, the AJ versus Wilder fight should be in the UK since they uh, they are more hardcore fans and will watch the fight anywhere and anytime. Unlike USA, who are uh, used to the late night fights. Hey, listen." We we talked about this uh, for a, a, up, a no long yeah most of the show <laughs> yesterday, and I I gotta tell you, and I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. Let the cat out of the bag. Sal and I talked uh, after the after the show, and we're both like making fun of ourselves, the United States, <laughs> and we're saying you know it's so true that you know, <laughs> and I said myself, I go I you know, and, and Sal Sal and I are laughing because we're going you know because I had season tickets well, for I football want games. Here. <laughs> you know, we want this, we want that, and then at the end of the day, we're like, well, I prefer to watch it at home in the comfort of my own house. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just like all the other Americans, you know, and that's why, uh, really, I think that this fight not only is it important for the division and the sport. But I think it deserves to be done in front of a, a huge crowd. I think it will add energy. And for all of us, you know, fat, lazy United States people, it adds to the viewing experience when you can see all of that energy. Right, Sal? Oh, absolutely. It does. It does. It's, uh, you know, like I said, when when you look at uh, what they do in the UK, it's it really is an event. And. People uh, like the fighters rise to the occasion, and they go and they celebrate. And they have a good night out. That's what, exactly what it seems. I mean, it's very festive. They're very engaging with the with the fights and with the fighters, and uh, it, it's electrifying. It really is. I don't think they could get that level over here. Although I, I I don't see them not filling the seats, no matter where this fight is, they will fill the seats. Yeah, this I mean, fight is that big, and and like I said, if it's going to be held in Vegas or anywhere, you're going to have the 
the powers that may be buy a whole block of seats and hand them to their own dignitaries or, or, or VIPs. And, and uh, you know, so there's not going to be any 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 seat available, uh, in my opinion, no matter where this fight's going to be held. You see, I, I don't know, man, because, you know, like I was saying yesterday, I mean, Floyd Mayweather, the king of pay-per-views, and he didn't sell out all the time, you know, and he had venues that didn't even see 20,000. So, um I just think it's the the nature of the crowd. I, I think that, and and we were kidding about it yesterday, but it's true. I, I just think that the the masses here in the states would rather watch it at home, and um, you know, like even if you look at the uh, 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 you know Major League Baseball, National Football League, uh, you know, it's become a corporate. Uh, the live events have become more corporate oriented. Uh, you know, the pricing for, for these seats are, are outrageous. You know, the stadiums have changed. You know, you used to be able to get, at a baseball game, you used to be able to get a hot dog, a, a burger, you know, some pretzels, maybe some popcorn, a beer, soda, whatever. Now, I mean, they have gourmet meals. Uh, you know, you get sushi. You could get sushi <laughs> at a ball game, you know. So, I mean, oh, it's, uh, you know, they have full-blown pizzerias, you know, depending upon where you are, wherever the, the stadium is, whatever famous, you know, in Philadelphia, the Philly cheesesteaks, you can't get uh, one better than at, at a stadium, you know. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's become like 25 years ago and longer, you know, fans would buy a season ticket. I Like myself, I had season tickets for the Jets for 30 years. And, um, you know, you go to the game, sometimes you don't. Now it seems like corporations buy the tickets. They either give them out they to do. clients. That's or, what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, yeah you know, so I, I just think that uh, we, uh, uh, we here in the States are, are more – especially big events are more apt to, to watch them at home than actually go. Whereas over in uh, Europe, specifically we're talking about the UK, they like to go for the event, you know, and be part of it. So, so with that said, I think that the first fight should definitely be in the UK. And then maybe based on the, you know, excitement level of that fight would uh, move it to uh, the United States in the sec for the second fight. And then maybe that would garner a bigger interest in uh, being there live. What do you think? I think I think it, it's a good point, Bill. And uh, you know, I, I I know how they 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 are or how they have been operating with uh, large venues like that. As you were just saying, you know, the the corporations buy blocks of tickets and and uh, they they hand them out and. It's it's hard to say what would be uh, the formula to maximize the the seats being filled uh, and and fairly spread between uh, um, the common uh, folk and uh, corporations that do what they got to do as giveaways. But uh, you know the bottom line is you know we we, we got to see the interest there being there and and you know I'll tell you what I have in all due respect uh, not to say anything negative about it. I would like to see this fight. If I was going to go to a live fight and I had the opportunity to sit close ringside or whatever or a couple seats back, I would love to see this Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight live. Um, you know, uh, more so than any Mayweather fight. So what I'm saying is this is more electrifying for me as a, as a boxing fan and, and also former participant 
where I, I would be drawn to want to watch this kind of a magnitude of this kind of a fight and knowing it's going to be something that's going to be special. Yeah, I mean, it. listen, I, I think it would have a hard time not being special. I think it's going to have a hard time not living up to the expectations. You know, I, I just, you know, Deontay Wilder, what, the one thing that Deontay is going to bring to this fight is the excitement level because we know that what he's going to do. He's a one-trick pony, and he's going to be looking for his opening, and he wants to land the bomb. And it's going to be up to Anthony Joshua to try to stay controlled and to control his opponent in Deontay Wilder. And and I think that, that just those two things um, are, are definitely uh, a clear indication that we're going to be treated to some action. I, I can't see these two guys pussyfooting around. I just can't. Man, no. not even, I don't even think for the first round, to be honest with you. I think as I see it, I think the first round may be just a little bit, hey, guess what? We're here. <laughs> let's uh, let's get our range. Let's look at this. I think the first half of the first round, you'll see them extending out their arms, knowing their distance, their range, and seeing. But I think before the end of the first round, you'll see uh, one or two big exchanges. And then uh, after that, it's like uh, the familiarity is going to be out the window. And, uh, and as you suggested, I think that Deontay Wilder, he knows he's going to have to strike home with that big bomb. And, um, you know, and, and Joshua's going to have to defend against it. And out of a course of a 12-round fight, you got 36 minutes. Uh, I, I definitely think that Deontay Wilder is going to have some more than one opportunity to land that big shot. So uh, it's going to be a heck of a fight. And like I said, that's just what's so electrifying. Even the ominous uh, 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 occurrence of what, what could be happening, uh, either a big, big shot from Anthony Joshua onto Deontay Wilder or that overhand right coming over and catching Joshua and lights out you know so it's 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 really exciting i want to see this fight yeah and and you know the power factor uh, you know we oh. could be we could be waiting 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 and all of a sudden <laughs> you know for this fight to happen the bell rings and it could be over but uh it could be it and, could be i mean well welcome to the era of mike tyson i mean come on how many fights did mike want, mike tyson won the fights on the scale i mean forget about it you saw some of the opponents just while the ref was giving instructions, kind of looking with their eyes, well, where am I going to fall tonight? You know, it was incredible because Mike Tyson was just uh, relentless, and uh, you know, so I think uh, I think those days are, are are long gone because the fear of of, of anticipating what's going to happen is 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 uh, no longer uh, being presented by many heavyweights. But with these two heavyweights, they do possess possess uh, both of them. Uh, some uh, extraordinary power that uh, the other end is going to be avoiding at, at all costs. No doubt. we got to take a break. We'll be back uh, in two. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? 
you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Hey, don't forget about us in the uh, YouTube chat room. You got a uh, question, comment, concern, point to make? You want it part of the show? No problem. Just send us a super chat and we'll make it happen. But uh, anyway, we got another uh, email here. We got DaxCon coming up uh, in about uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, glad to see he's back in the saddle. Uh, but uh, uh, another email. This is from uh, Luke Thunder Breslin. And, uh, All right, Luke. Uh, yeah, Luke's been uh, uh, a, uh, a pretty good uh, with, uh, you know, interaction. And that's what makes this show uh, separate than uh, all the rest and the fact that we're 15 years old. But anyway, um, I wish I was only 15. But uh, Easy. Anyway, um, Luke says, hey, guys, uh, it is I. Thunder Breslin, the man to beat in trivia competition. I oh my it. God! I love it, uh, he's I getting love a little it. cocky. He's getting a little cocky in there. Yeah, I, I got he news for him. It, man, figure out some of those questions. Yeah, but Go listen, it, listen. Let me just say this: uh, my man, Coach, may have the record of winning the most uh, trivia. As a matter of fact, some of the time he won't even respond. Because he likes to get books, you know. I, I've, he must have a whole library of all the books that he's won uh, on this show. So, uh, uh, yeah, Luke, that's uh, I'd, I'd, I'd tone it down a little bit. Uh, what's he? I guess he's doing his Deontay Wilder pounding his chest after he's got one. He's got one right, I think. Or no, actually, Go no, I'm it, wrong. Luke, you got it, pal. I'm Come wrong. On. I'm wrong. He's got two right, and you right now it. he's still alive. Uh, to get uh, a shirt or a book or, or something uh, if he gets this uh, question that we have available. No one's gotten it right yet, so he's still alive to be uh, to get uh, something different uh, shipped to him, which costs more than everything else uh, over in England. But anyway, he says, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. I'm reading this. Li- I was about to read this line, and I we did communicate a little bit email. And, well, what did we talk about, you ask? Well, let me read this next line, and you'll get it. He says, "Hey, Billy C, thanks for those whiskey rec- <laughs> thanks for those whiskey recommendations. I'm going to be ordering a bottle of the Doers Twelve uh, soon. So, cheers." He says, "Sal, you strike me as a red wine man. Am I correct? You, 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 uh, you, you like the Scotch too, don't you?" I favor the scotch. In fact, I'll tell you why. I grew up, my father uh, always had a bottle of Dewar's, and, uh, uh, you know, he switched to vodka once in a while, but he was a scotch drinker. And uh, like I said, uh, growing up, uh, you know, instead of Ambisol on our teeth as we were teething as kids, my father would rub scotch on our gums. So I guess I acquired a taste at a young age. <laughs> uh, me <laughs> too. Me too. Uh, wine, you know, I, I do like some wine, but um, not as much as you. I, I love a good Amarone, a good Amarone wine, a uh, good sipping wine. I could uh, definitely enjoy. And uh, the Amarone is my favorite of the reds. You know, it's funny. Uh, I too. Or a Montepulciano. I, I too have been drinking uh, scotch for uh, uh, a long time. Uh, too long, actually. Uh, I was drinking it as a kid, and when my kids and grandkids were, you know, have teething issues, I used to put the scotch on too. My my grandson now, he goes for the glass. I got to keep it out of his out of his reach. But uh, uh, we got a super chat here uh, from my man Johnston. I appreciate Johnston. Johnston uh, uh, hooks us up. Uh, he's got his picks for the weekend. He's picking Selby, Jack, and Diaz. Uh, some good picks there, so uh, thanks for the uh, shout-out. Um, 
You know, I I I just wanted to finish. You know, when it comes to wine, um, now now I can Scott. I mean, you know, Sal. I've 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 <laughs> I've uh, <clears throat> helped uh, you know polish off your inventory of scotch uh, at the restaurant, and 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 I could uh, I could drink uh, some beer, no problem. But when it comes to wine, if I have one glass of wine. I'm dancing on the tables, man. It affects me so weird. Isn't that strange? I mean, I, I'll drink a bottle of scotch, and you won't even notice that I had any. But you give me one glass of wine, and I'm, like, really, really tipsy, man. Does anything affect you like that? Like, what, is one liquor over another? You know, I'll tell you what. I'll have to experiment and find out and let you know. I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, you know, I, I, I'm not really, I, I, I don't know. The last time I had a, I, I was out of control or having, I, I can't even remember, but, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was quite a while ago and I'm not sure. I think it was scotch driven. Yeah. I think I, as a matter of fact, I think it was a post fight show we had. It might've been a post fight <laughs> show. And that, oh, you know what that was? What much. were you drinking that night? I don't want to even tell you. Oh, all right. All right. No, that was, uh. That was a festive event where I was watching the fights and uh, interpreting a lot of things afterwards. Was that a tulip uh, festival? Were you doing the? A, uh... It was more of a tune-up, and that was, that was I think it was tequila. Oh wait was, a minute! Uh... What wasn't those? No, it was that drink. What did they call it? Um, something tulip uh, maybe, or, or or some? What was it called? It, it, it was mint julep. No, that was not the mint julep. Free, no, for mint julep. No, this was straight tequila. I think I was having. Oh, uh, your your version uh, of the story sounds like a much tougher drink. I think the yeah, truth you're drinking some sissy ass hey, drink. You know, my old my old buddy, my old buddy who brought me into the restaurant business um, out in New York was Jack D'Amico. It is Jack D'Amico, and and uh, he would always say, "said Sal, never mix the grape with the grain." <laughs> and uh, you know, I always wonder what he meant by that until one day I found out. So you never mix the grape with the grain. Well, you know, I, I won't even drink the wine because it it it, it gets me so out there. But anyway, uh, you know, us alcoholics can talk about this all day. But uh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact. Uh, I got to take a short break here in a second uh, because I'm talking right. But let me get this uh, email. Uh, the next point that uh, Luke wants, he says, I was just wondering after this fiasco that has been the Canelo Triple G rematch. See, I like. I think we need to start changing that right off the bat. I think we need to start calling that Triple G Canelo rematch. There's no reason Canelo sh name should be first. I'm sorry. Uh, he says, I said from day one at the moment of the PED scandal was revealed. Canelo should have just stepped down from the fight, admitted that uh, something had happened, and then worked with the authorities to get himself cleared. Uh, right. If, of course, he, he was innocent. I, you see, now I said the same thing, basically not in that choice of words, but I, I agree with this 100%. Sal. I mean, that was a very, and I, I like where he's going with this. And had the scenario been delivered on that level, it, it would have been a more receptive more of a uh, positive feedback, I think, from fans and people in the boxing world, and uh, in, including Triple G. I'm sure he would have been a little bit more forgiving. But, you know, when you look at the, the posture of being adamant and being so 
pointing at what other venues or I mean whatever what other variables came into play that it did not uh, uh, have him being accountable. Yeah, it deflects the, all the responsibility off the other things, and uh, you know people really don't like that. Nah, and and people forgive. Everyone makes mistakes, so it's easy and to they forgive, forgive. that. You know, so if he's you're a, accountable. He says, he goes on to say, I was just wondering, considering how much money this fight would have generated and how much Oscar and Golden Boy must have already shelled out, the promoters have such a thing as liability insurance. Well, they they do have liability insurance, and there are other special insurances like rain insurance if you're going to have an event outside. But as far as an insurance, I think what he's he's meaning, you know, should a fight... Once you start the promotion, not go through the the is there insurance? And to be honest with you, I I've never seen it, but that doesn't mean somebody wouldn't offer uh, that kind of insurance. I'm sure Lloyd's of London, one of the biggest carriers in the world, that have a policy for any and every situation may have uh, has something like that. Yeah, Who but knows? they but, but it they, would be expensive. But they they insure um, material things. The, the, this is. Uh, this is an event. I don't know. It's a good question. I, I honestly don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody might. But geez, I wonder what the premium is in that. He says, That'd be "Enormous," because, yeah. like I said, all definition of insurance is basically shared risk. Companies um, on the line with the risk, and so is the premium payer paying that out. He says, "I just wonder, uh, as surely." Uh, promises must have been made and money must have been spent by people outside the promotional company. You know, the truth is, is they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll get it back with the second promotion. You know, the travel for the news, uh, for the uh, press conferences and stuff, the announcements, yeah, that costs some money, but, uh, you know, it would have been a hell of a lot more should that, should it have, like, just been discovered now, let's say. Uh, or obviously it was, uh, had been taking place in May. One last thing, I'm over my break. He says, I mean, there must have been people involved who had spent money as this is their livelihood. And because of fighters uh, putting it up, uh, now they're potentially heavy out of pocket. Good points and stuff, uh, Luke. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there is some kind of uh, uh, insurance. But that type of insurance, especially for a promoter, could be weaseled if you think about it. You know, if a promoter takes out a policy that says, hey, should this fight get canceled for some unknown reason, I get paid. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he tells his fighter to get an injury and then he gets paid. I, I would think that that's more workable than, say, rain insurance. You know, unless you, you got, you know, Chief J. Strongbow uh, uh, doing uh, the rain dance out there. Then, uh, and in case you don't know who Chief J. Strongbow was, he was a, a wrestler, one of my faves. But listen, I got to take a short break when I come back. <laughs> We got one more email. Sal and I will break down the three major fights, all of that, coming up in two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. 
and we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And um, I got one more email, then uh, we'll break down and give you our predictions for the... Uh, well, we're picking three fights. But, Sal, did you catch this in the news? has nothing to do with boxing, but there was a kid, I, I think it was in New York, um, who re- got arrested. He was He's a, hot, a high school basketball star. Um, did you see this story? No. Uh, no, this, tell this, me. this kid was a, a high school basketball star. And, uh, you know, he's just lighting the court up. I mean, it was like, oh, this guy's NBA, NBA, NBA. Turns out he said he was 17. He got arrested because he was 20. He was 25. He was 25. And he was lying, uh, saying that he was 17. But uh, maybe what should have given it away is a full uh, beard and mustache. But anyway, uh, uh, we got it. Last email. This is from my man, Mike from Michigan. That's pretty wild, huh? Uh, my man Mike from Michigan, he says, uh, Lomachenko cemented the number one pound-for-pound pound spot, and I believe that because I have never seen something like him. Willie Pep is the closest I've seen, and I believe him to be more advanced than Pep, and he got off the deck to knock out Linares with a body shot. Yes, that cements number one to me without a question. Also, I think he beats Garcia easily, similar to the Russell Jr. fight cards, uh, as well as uh, my card, which was 8-4, to four, he says, or even 9-3. to three. He says, I totally disagree with the close cards as I had Lomachenko up three points, including the knockdown, which uh, he did what champions do and got up, calmed himself, and knocked out a much bigger man. Uh, Can't say I deny or disagree with anything. I I think that uh, Lomachenko uh, is a very special fighter, and I I strongly suggest that everyone um, enjoy him while he's here because, you know, as is any sport, professional sports career they they're not long uh he says uh, as Great far as can, as far as canelo alvarez unless you sell rocky senecola then you wait you know 25 years between fights um he says as far as canelo alvarez i don't believe uh he had any intention on going through with the full drug testing and i doubt that he will be i would like to see the proof the same as when floyd against pacquiao uh, the drug testing was talked about. I don't recall seeing evidence of Floyd being tested half as much or even at all uh, as much as Manny did. I think Golden Boy stinks, and every time Golden Boy shows up, there's one scorecard that's for Golden Boy uh, for a Golden Boy fighter. Uh, that's kind of lame, and it's kind of sad to the transparency uh, of that to me. But I commend Triple G in saying absolutely not unless Canelo... Uh, uh, and his t- uh, team gets tested. I don't know why his team, but I also want to see Triple G uh, tested just as much. I think Triple G cracks uh, his uh, uh, misses with the right hand. Um, I, I think Triple G cracks with the right hand. I don't know what this misses is in there. Uh, cracks with the right hand. I think Triple G uh, beats and easily, though, I fully believe his tainted meat BS was just to extend the fight beyond um, to basically tell Triple G, hey, Golden Boy owns your career, except I don't think that they do in Triple G's stance on stringent drug testing or no fight at all. You know, uh, these emails, when people use the automatic spell, they replace words, so you should proofread them before, because this clearly doesn't, some of these words just don't fit with the sentence. He says, uh, proves to me at least it appears that he has a better moral high ground than anyone associated with the Triple associated with the Triple G. Hope all is well and hope to participate uh, in the show much more often. Um, 
I, I think he meant, I, I, I don't know. But my point is, is uh, my, my comment here is that I agree in terms of uh, Canelo. I think Canelo um, clearly was busted, and the fact that they try to make it like it was no big deal really bothers me. And as far as the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, I don't recall Mayweather ever getting tested. I, I, I remember hearing, oh, Pacquiao was tested, you know, this time, that time. I never heard, I never heard Floyd get tested. There's been a lot of uh, opinions and allegations of, of, of Floyd uh, using performance-enhancing drugs, but the truth is the truth. He's never actually been caught, uh, unlike Canelo at this point. Right, Sal? Well, not no, exactly that. And, uh, you know, they're good points. And, you know, if we're going to have uh, testing on a regular basis, randomly selecting every and every fighter, any fighter, I think it, it should be good, and uh, I think they should do that. It should be uh, on the spot uh, check, and just uh, to make sure everybody's on the up. And uh, you know, this is this is a sport that uh, you know prides itself in in taking a, a body and, and mind and and chiseling it up to uh, perform at its elite top best. And you know, it's a uh, it's hard when you see people that want to take a shortcut or want to try and enhance uh, with uh, with some supplements that are not legal. So, you know, the uh, funny, the the worst part of that whole thing is he he makes a big deal that he he signed up for the WBC Clean Boxing Act and and agreed <laughs> to be testing all year, but all of them do. You know, I mean yeah, that's part exactly. of the, that's part of the the program. But anyway, all right, we got three fights that we're going to break down. Uh, the Selby Warrington. The uh, Russell Jr. against Diaz Jr. and uh, the biggest fight of the weekend, in my opinion anyway, Jack against uh, Adonis Stevenson. We'll start off with uh, Lee Selby going up against Josh Warrington. Uh, this fight is actually going to be uh, available uh, on uh, uh, YouTube. So uh, when I look at this fight, Lee Selby uh, is currently the IBF uh, World Featherweight Champion. Uh, he's 31 years old, four years older than his opponent. He's ranked at number six in the world at featherweight. He's uh, five foot eight and a half, which makes him an inch and a half taller than his opponent. And he's got a 69-inch reach. His uh, record is 26 wins and one loss. Uh, of his 26 wins, nine of them came by knockout. He's fought uh, 207 rounds with a 33% knockout ratio. Um, his loss came way back in 2009 when he lost a four-round four decision against a 1-0-1 guy who actually uh, was a guy who uh, Warrington beat. Uh, I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, you know, when I look at Lee Selby, I look at several things. Number one, he's a world champion. He's the IBF World Featherweight Champion. The other important part of uh, Selby is he's been a world champion for three years. And including winning the title in 2015, he's made five successful uh, world title defenses. He fought six times, but one was a non-title fight uh, where he won against uh, Andoni uh, Gago. But uh, when he won the title, he beat Envy uh, Gradovich. Uh, after that fight, he fought and beat Fernando Montiel. Then undefeated uh, or uh, a highly touted prospect in Eric Hunter. Uh, Jonathan Victor Barrios he beat. And in his last fight, Eduardo Ramirez. Uh, and earlier 
in his career prior to winning uh, his world title. He's got wins over Ryan Walsh and Rendell Mon- Run- uh, excuse me, Rendell Monroe, two uh, uh, very uh, uh, good op- uh, opponents. All his title fights, with the exception of that one non-title fight, were against uh, very good uh, uh, opposition. Um, now he steps in the ring with Josh Warrington. Josh Warrington is not a champion, and he's got. Uh, they're very similar in their ring experience. He's got 193 rounds versus Lee Selby, who's got 207. Uh, he's four years younger. He's ranked number seven. If you recall, Lee Selby's ranked number six in the world by the computer. He's ranked number seven. Like I told you before, he's an inch and a half shorter at five seven. He too is, uh, or he's the undefeated one, 26 and 0, with six of his wins coming by knockout. He had a 23% knockout ratio. When I look at his resume, the one name that stuck out was Samir uh, Mornminimi. Uh, this was the guy who beat Lee Selby when he was 1-0-1. Now, when he stepped in the ring in 2013 against Warrington, he still was undefeated, 12-0-1. And uh, Warrington knocked him out in the 12th round. Uh, so I give him uh, uh, credit for that. He also beat... Uh, Rendell Monroe and Martin Lindsay, uh, Joel Br- uh, uh, Brunker, who was a, a, a highly uh, rising star when uh, he beat him in 2015. Patrick Hyland, who looked impressive on record. I never was impressed with him, but he got a win over him. And Kiko Martinez uh, won a uh, close fight. Uh, in his last fight, he also beat an undefeated Dennis Seelan uh, uh, by uh, a stoppage. Um, how do I see this fight going? Well, to be honest with you, this was a tough one for me to pick. Um, neither one of them are known for their knockout uh, power, so it's going to boil down to uh, who can box better. Josh Warrington is is four years younger, so I'm wondering, uh, my biggest concern was, will the youth prevail? But in this case, I go, I'm picking Lee Selby, and the reason why I'm picking Lee Selby is Lee Selby has fought the better opposition more consistently with the exception of that one fight, uh, which happened early in his career, I don't think uh, it's going to make a difference. I'm expecting a, 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 an exciting fight, and I think that Selby will win. He'll win by a decision, and it may even be a split decision or very close. I'm picking Selby. How do you see this fight going? Well, I see the same thing. I see a good exchange of, uh, of, of uh, punches here. I see both trying to establish dominance, but uh, I, I think it's going to be, uh, as I use the term, ebb and flow. You'll see going back and forth. Selby, I think, will probably um, fight. Well, I know he'll fight with the pride of being an IBF world champion, and and uh, I think he, he has been in the ring uh, more times with some people gunning after his title, obviously, and uh, I think he'll know how to how to handle this uh Warrington, and I think it will be a good fight. It'll be a good fight, and uh, I do also see Selby winning by maybe a split decision or so. Very close fight in the end, and uh, I think it will definitely be uh, be one that we need to watch and, and catch. I think we'll we'll see a real good fight. These next uh, two fights are both going to be broadcast on Showtime, uh, so uh, uh, you know, make sure you catch this now. I actually really like both of the fights. Um, Jojo Diaz going up against the champ, uh, Gary Russell Jr. They're both juniors. I remember uh, saying about this fight that I thought it was a 50-50 fight. And somebody made a comment telling me, no, there's no way, blah, 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 blah. 
but I think differently. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Jojo Diaz. Jojo Diaz is uh, 25 years old. He's four, year younger, four years younger than Gary Russell Jr. He's uh, ranked at number eight in the world at featherweight. He's five foot six. He's a southpaw, but it doesn't matter because Gary Russell's a southpaw too. But Diaz is an inch and a half, uh, one and a half inches taller, and their reach is the same. He's undefeated as a pro, twenty six and zero with fourteen knockouts. He's got one hundred and sixty two rounds uh, under his belt, which is actually uh, thirty one rounds more than Gary Russell Jr. Um, when I look at uh, Joseph Diaz's uh, record. Um, you know, his last 10 fights were all against good opponents. Uh, Victor Tarazas, Rafael Rivera, Manuel Avila, Horatio Garcia, Andrew Cancio, uh, Victor Proa, Jason Veliz, uh, to name uh, several of them. He's 10-0 and with four knockouts in his last uh, 10 fights. Uh, Jojo Diaz, you know, uh, earlier too, he's also uh, got wins over uh, Hugo Partia, uh, Tamayo, uh, Ruben Tamara, Rene Alvarado. I mean, that was his first big step-up fight, Rene Alvarado. Uh, he's an exciting fighter. He's young. Uh, he's, he could take a punch. He's got some pop, a 54% knockout ratio. Um, interesting cat. Now, he steps in with Gary Russell Jr. Now, I love Gary Russell Jr. Gary Russell Jr.'s got a couple of negatives, though. Uh, he's got uh, weak hands, it seems. Uh, his first quality opponent was Leon Miranda back in uh, 2011. I don't think Gary Russell Jr. fought enough. His, uh, he did fight Vasily Lomachenko. How they had that a majority decision win for Lomachenko, I don't know. I thought that he dominated Gary Russell. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, and by the way, Vasily was 1-1 one one when he fought Gary Russell Jr. Uh, his last four fights were all against good opposition. He beat Oscar Escondon, Patrick Hyland, Yanni Gonzalez, and Christopher Martin. That was all after his loss to Vasily Lomachenko, uh, which proves, you know, the Vasily Lomachenko fight was 2014. You know, here we are four years later, and he's got four fights uh, under his belt. Um, you know, Jojo Diaz clearly has been the more um, uh, active fighter. Gary Russell Jr. is a very fast uh, puncher. You know, his, his hand speed is, is really quick. Uh, he also is accurate. The thing is, is that he's a little tentative sometimes because when he goes in there and fights, um, I think he's always second-guessing you know, his hands. Or, Am I going to hurt my hand? And Jojo Diaz is that kind of guy that's going to be in his face. He's going to press the action. This was a tough one for me to pick. Gary Russell's the WBC World Featherweight Champ. I do believe that this is a 50-50 uh, fight. I'm not taking anything away from Gary Russell Jr. I think he's a, a really good fighter. But I think um, I, I think in this case, because of activity and because of the hunger aspect, you know, now I'm not saying that Gary Russell's not a hungry fighter, but sometimes he seems complacent. He's the title holder. They seem like they carefully choose his opponents. They very well may have carefully chose Jojo Diaz. But I'm going on a limb here. I'm taking Jojo Diaz in this fight. I think he's going to upset Gary Russell Jr. I think it'll it'll uh, warrant a rematch. But I'm, I'm going against the apple cart here, Sal. I'm, I'm picking Jojo Diaz. What's your thoughts? 
Well, I love the way you broke it down, and I, and I do uh, understand, and I see. You know, sometimes when the, when Gary Russell does look like he's he's guessing or, or hesitating, pulling the trigger, so it could be something that I think Jojo Diaz will recognize and try to take advantage of, and that could be even something you do simply with a feint and then see how he reacts, and bam, counter. Um, so it should be a real good fight. Both these guys are are going to be in there to win, to win. And I think, uh, uh, Bill, I, I, I'm going to side with you. I think Jojo Diaz might have what it takes to uh, pull an upset here and uh, defeat Joe, uh, Gary Russell Jr. So uh, I think uh, I'm going to go on the same side of the aisle as you, pal. You know, it's, it's, it's really – it hurts me because I'm such a big Gary Russell fan. But He's I'm a good fo- fighter, great well, fighter. Well, I'm, fo- I'm following uh, what Coach did. I'm going against my heart. Uh, he did it last week. I'm doing it this week. Okay, the big fight, Adonis Stevenson puts his title on the line against Bado Jack. Now, Bado Jack is a champion too, but uh, for some reason I think only one title's on the line. Uh, some final quotes. Adonis Stevenson, says, uh, Adonis Stevenson said yesterday, uh, Bado, are you ready? You've never been hit. Uh, which is wrong. He has been hit and knocked out. So, you know, Stevenson is <laughs> just such an hit. idiot. He's an idiot. But anyway, uh, he says, that's the problem. When you get hit, it's going to be different. I know you trained hard and you're excited. Don't blink because it's only going to take one punch to knock him out. I'm looking for the knockout. It's 12 rounds. I just need one punch, only one. That's all I need. And as soon as it lands, I'm going to knock him out and he's going to stay on the floor. I may be 40. Uh, but I'm hungry, and just like him, I got a family to support. My promoter always tells me, knockout sell, knockout sell, so that's what I'm going to do. I can go 12 rounds. I can box, but I want a knockout. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, Jack says, when Floyd told me he was going to give me this fight, I said, why not? This is the bigger fight. He could start looking for excuses now because I'm going to knock him out. I know Adonis is one of the hardest hitters in the business. I know he can give it, but can he take it? What happened to me? And he's talking about his time he was knocked out by Derek Edwards was an accident. It just woke me up. I faced six world champions back to back to back. And and not a lot of people in boxing can say they did that. I want to thank all the supporters here in Canada. I can't walk around the city of Toronto without somebody stop supporting me. He says, we've had an amazing camp. I haven't been sick. I haven't had a single injury or a single problem. This is the best camp I've ever had. Everybody always says that, but this is actually true. He says, uh, you're going to have a new champion. I asked for this fight. He didn't ask for it. I called him out before I even moved up to light heavyweight. He's one of the best, so I'm all about fighting the best. This is my sixth world champion back-to-back. I'm all about big fights. I'm about the big money. He, he has nothing that scares me. I fear no man. He's one of the toughest guys in boxing, but I'm tougher. I'm going to prove that Saturday there will be a new champ. Uh, you know, some of the stuff I, you know, hear from the from the uh, quotes uh, makes me think of Donna Stevenson's really banking on his power. And I hope that's just what he's saying, because you can't go into a fight looking for a knockout, especially against a talented fighter like Bedo Jack, because, you know, it gives you reason to believe maybe he's not conditioned that well. Uh, one trick pony, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, Donna Stevenson is the WBC World Light Heavyweight Champ. He's 40. And that's only six years older than Badu Jack. Badu Jack uh, may not have been in the sport as long, but he's 34 already. Um, as far as the rankings, uh, the uh, computer ranks Stevenson number one. I don't know how they figured that out. Uh, th- this guy is, you know, he's, a, he's the WBC champion, but he's been holding that title hostage. Uh, you know, he doesn't defend it. I, I, I can't stand Stevenson. I can't stand him. Um, uh, you know, I just don't like 
just the way he has. I mean, I like champions that fight and defend against top guys. Stevenson, I don't think he can say that. He's a southpaw, five foot eleven. He's two inches shorter, uh, but he's got a four inch reach advantage. His record is twenty nine wins, twenty four coming by knockout, and he's got one loss in which he was knocked out by uh, Darnell Boone back in. Uh, 2010 he's got 131 rounds as a pro when you look at his last several fights this is my point he fought a uh, uh old uh but tough Seiko Bika uh, in 2015 he fought Tommy Carpency in 2015 he fought once in 2016 against Thomas Williams Jr and he fought once last year in June against Andre Fonfara where he knocked him out in two rounds which was uh, kind of uh uh, questionable. The uh, first time he fought Von Farah back in 2014, it was a war that went 12 rounds. He's also got a win against Tony Bellew uh, and uh, Tavorius Cloud. So he's got some decent names under his belt, including when I was a fan of uh, Stevenson, when he knocked out Chad Dawson in one round back in 2013. And he's got wins uh, over, uh, you know, the, the normal... Uh, guys that you fight on your way up, including one Derek Edwards, who also uh, knocked out uh, Badeau Jack. Now, when I look at Badeau Jack, uh, like I said, he's six years younger at 34. He's ranked at number three. Uh, he's a right-hander, so we're going to have righty-lefty. He's got the two-inch uh, reach, uh, I'm sorry, height advantage, and he's got a four-inch uh, reach disadvantage. Uh, on the books, he's the WBA World Light Heavyweight Champ. He's uh, 22 wins, 13 by knockout, one loss in which he was stopped. That was the uh, Derek Edwards fight up at the Turning Stone. I was ringside for that. He's got two draws. Uh, his last several fights, I mean, take a look at who he's fought. I mean, after the, the Derek Edwards fight, this guy, since that fight, has done nothing less than improve, improve, improve. He's got wins over Jason Escalera, Francisco Sierra, Andre, uh, Anthony Durrell, George Groves, uh, Lucien Butte, James DeGale, and in his last fight, uh, Nathan Cleverly uh, blew, him in, uh, uh, blew him out in five rounds uh, back in August of last year. How do I see this fight going? Well, I do see Adana Stevenson trying to blow out uh, Badeau Jack with one punch. I think Badeau Jack has become a well-rounded fighter. Uh, I, I think that this is going to be an exciting fight. He's gotten up off the canvas to win. He's also stayed down on a canvas to lose. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm going really, as much as I don't like what Stevenson has done over the last several years holding the title hostage, I'm going with Badeau Jack. And the reason I'm going with Jack is I just think that this guy has gotten better and better and better. And despite being a Floyd Mayweather uh, fighter under Mayweather promotions, he has distanced himself from Floyd, and the results are uh, right there in the face. I'm picking Badu Jack to beat Adonis Stevenson and become the new uh, WBC light heavyweight champ on Saturday night. Sal? Well, here you go again, Pilgrim. Uh, I'll tell you why. It's going to be a good fight. And, uh, you know, some somewhat tactical on, on some levels, but uh, you're going to try and see, as you suggested, that Donna Stevenson wants to land a couple of haymakers to change Badeau Jack's mind about what he's going to accomplish. And um, ultimately, you're going to see a 12-round fight that's going to prevail and give us some good action. 
and I do see Badeau Jack trying to uh, establish his dominance and start to try to do it early. But I think Stevenson's going to keep him off him with some big shots, and I think that uh, ultimately Stevenson will prevail and come out ahead. And uh, whether he'll stop Jack or not, I think we're going to have a couple knockdowns here, and uh, I think uh, I think Stevenson's going to come out uh, ahead and win this fight. You know, the other the other thing I want to point out about this fight, Sal, is, you know, Stevenson has ducked the mandatory challenger in Elder Alvarez at least three times, from what I understand. Alvarez actually was kind of forced to go fight uh, Sergey Kovalev in August in Atlantic City uh, for his belt. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a joke. Now, on the positive side of that, um, you know, Alvarez has uh, made a ton of money uh, stepping aside and letting, um, you know, letting that happen. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, I guess, uh, um, I guess uh, Jack, according, Dax is going to be coming on here in a, in a minute. But uh, he just sent me a, a message saying that uh, uh, Badu Jack vacated his title. That, you know, I don't understand that. Um, why he would vacate his his uh light heavyweight title unless unless i was mistaken yeah no he had a he had the w he won the wba uh light heavyweight title against cleverly he he was defending uh his uh uh super middleweight title against james DeGale. that fight ended in a draw and then he vacated that won the wba light heavyweight title uh, in August of last year, then vacated that. I, I wonder what the deal is with that. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, you know, the title, the movements with the title, Sal, I just, even someone uh, like me who's, who's, you know, I pride myself on being, uh, uh, being up on this, on everything. I, 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 I don't even, I don't even recall that. So, uh, but anyway, listen, I'm going to hey, take. Hey, this fight's going to also be on Showtime, right? That's correct. I'm going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Dax Khan join us. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And... We're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I tell you what, I'm glad this guy's with us right now. Joining us is uh, my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How are you? Question is, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. All right. Sounds good. Well, we got a lot to ask you, so we'll get you get the three fights that we picked out of the way first. Um, first and foremost, how do you see the... Uh, Lee Selby, Josh Warrington fight going? This is an interesting fight. 
Uh, talk about the battle of non-punchers. Um, you know, either combined 52 wins, you have 15 uh, combined knockouts. Uh, you know, they're both boxers, both very good boxers, you know. So this is going to be a fight that is going to be more appreciated by, you know, the boxing enthusiast than, than the uh, the mainstream uh, average fan who who's going out there expecting, you know, a lot of punches. It's going to be a very tactical fight. Um, you know, Selby, you know, being the taller fighter, you know, five foot nine with a 69-inch reach, which is, you know, the reach of a lot of middleweights, uh, you know, they both have similar paths to their uh, current status, as you mentioned before. They both defeated Rendell Monroe, both are former British and Commonwealth champions. Warrington, though, um, who's slightly younger, has only recently had success at that next level. In 2017, he had wins over former champion Kiko Martinez and then uh, undefeated prospect uh, Dennis Island. Uh, Selby, back in 2015, started facing the better competition. He beat uh, Yuvini Gradovich and Fernando Montiel in back-to-back performances. Uh, then in 2016, Lee Selby really grew as a fighter when he faced Eric Hunter, a notoriously dirty fighter, um, who, coming into that fight, had uh, two disqualification losses on fouls, uh, one in 2010 against Louis Franco for hitting low repeatedly, and 2013 in that fight against Mike Oliver in the first round when um, you know he uh, blatantly hit Mike Oliver after the break. You know, Selby also went down for the first time in his career in that fight, and he overcame several intentional low blows to win that fight comfortably by scores of 116-110 twice and 115-111. I think the experience edge against a higher level competition and that fight against uh, someone like Eric Hunter is going to serve Lee Selby well in this fight because Warrington is not a power puncher. He's not going to place Lee Selby in any danger. Selby has been in there with um, uh, more powerful punchers. He's been in there with guys just as skilled, and uh, Selby's going to win a decision to retain his title in what, despite the fact that neither one of these guys have a lot of punching power, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of action in this fight. It's going to be a rather exciting fight. Just don't look for a knockout. But, you know, in my opinion, Lee Selby's going to retain his title in this one. What about the uh, Jojo Diaz against uh, Gary Russell Jr. fight? Jojo Diaz, Gary Russell Jr. Um, this is an interesting bout. Um, you know, it's the speed of Gary Russell Jr. against those uh, fundamentals and pressure of Jojo Diaz. What I really find interesting about Gary Russell Jr. is he's always the forgotten man. You don't hear much about him when the big names are discussed. Um, you know, Gary Russell Jr. always seems to be that guy left out of the conversation, despite always winning an impressive style and having a solid resume. Up until 2014, when he faced Vasyl Lomachenko, he was thrown in with a lot of no-name fighters who were there, you know, uh, well-traveled guys, but, you know, journeymen but also the type of guys that were capable of scoring upsets over anyone, but again, capable of being beaten on any given night against somebody above that B level. Also, those guys that I talk about all the time, Bill, that, you know, help build a fighter into a complete, you know, they're the type of guys that, you know, if you have any flaws in your style, they're going to uh, expose that, and they're going to send you back to the gym, and they're going to, you know, let you know what to work on. So this way, when you come out to that next level, you're going to have all those flaws taken care of. Uh, you mentioned the hesitation of Gary Russell Jr. in fights, you know, and I believe it's because he was in there with all those guys that, you know, he more or less perfected his style, and instead of uh, more or less hesitation, I think he looks more or less, you know, for, for the right opportunities, and he doesn't like to waste a lot of shots, and when he goes in there, he's really become quite a finisher, you know, um, in his last uh, several outings, you know, Yanni Gonzalez, uh, Patrick Hyland, Oscar Eskenon, Russell stopped them all in seven rounds or less. Once he hurts an opponent, Gary Russell Jr. is relentless. He doesn't let up. I mean, he drops guys. They get up, he drops them again. He has uh, phenomenal stamina. Uh, uh, Yanni Gonzalez and Oscar Eskenon, aside from being former world champions, they're both world-class power punchers. So Gary Russell Jr. has, you know, a phenomenal chin. Jojo Diaz, one of the sport's hottest prospects and has been for several years, has wins over notable journeymen like Rene 
Alvarado, Ruben Tamayo. Um, his best win is over former world champion uh, Victor Terrazas uh, in his last fight. The combined record of his last three opponents prior to Terrazas, 77-1-3. I like Diaz. He's a skilled fighter. I see him as being a future world champion. He's really not a big puncher. He's more of a boxer who has decent speed, but he has to apply a lot of pressure and break guys down. Gary Russell Jr. with his experience, his speed, the higher level of competition. In my opinion, he's going to walk away the winner of this fight and possibly by stoppage because if he hurts Jojo Diaz Jr., Jojo Diaz Jr. is not going to know what to do. He's not going to be able to recover, and Gary Russell Jr. is going to look to close the show. So this way, when those big names are being discussed, Gary Russell Jr. is one of those names in there, not the forgotten man. And finally, uh, and finally, Dax, the, uh, which I think is the biggest fight of the weekend, uh, Badu Jack uh, is challenging Adonis Stevenson for his uh, WBC light heavyweight champ up in Toronto. Um, and Stevenson, uh, who most of us feel has been holding this title hostage for a long time, I think he's finally uh, being forced to fight a, a real fighter, at least at this stage. How do you see this one going? Um. It, it, it's an inter- it's an exciting fight, no question. Uh, I don't know, can Badu Jack get a decision in Canada? You know, you mentioned before, why is Adonis Stevenson ranked at number one? You know, aside from that WBC title, you know, he is also the lineal champion, technically. Um, you know, he has six stoppage wins in his eight title defenses, irregardless of who it's against. Uh, you know, that's more or less where he places that. You know, the confusion that we were speaking out earlier on about Badu Jack, you know, Badu Jack vacated that WBA title as soon as the WBA mandated that he go into a purse bid against Dimitri Bivol, who at that time was the interim WBA title holder. You know, once they had uh, scheduled a purse bid on Monday. The WBA received a letter on that Friday prior that uh, Badu Jack was going to vacate the title. I'm not for ducking, you know, and this is a sport we see a lot of it and we always complain about it, but you know what? That was smart business in, in a business aspect. That was a smart decision because, you know, this is a bigger money fight for Badu Jack and, you know, against uh, Dimitri Bivol, Badu Jack was not going to win and I don't think anybody in this division is going to beat Dimitri Bivol. But, you know, that's on to the fight. You know, Stevenson, you know, he's in his fifth year as light heavyweight champion. Um, you know, uh, he's 40 years old. The other night I was watching the Dmitry Shukovsky fight. And you know what I noticed about uh, Adonis Stevenson is he has horrible stamina. You know, he always needs to set a pace that's comfortable for him. Um, he needs, you know, to use his jab, and he always needs to land that jab first, you know, to set up that big power punch. Adonis Stevenson, if you uh, paid attention to a lot of his uh, most recent fights, he's only usually dangerous in those first five rounds. After that, unless those punches are set up perfectly, Adonis Stevenson, of course, he retains that power, but, you know, it's not that devastating one-punch power. We see his guys get up a lot, and um, usually more of a TKO, not a clean stoppage. You know, those one-and-done rounds, um, you know, if you can pressure Stevenson, you know, like Andre Fonfaro did in the uh, first fight and then Saki Albika uh, two fights later, Stevenson goes on his bike after that fifth round. He does not like being pressured. He does not respond well when he's being forced backwards. Though the years have shown his ability to, uh, to compete at a higher level, kind of conserve energy, um, you know, has shown, uh, proven, you know, to be to his benefit, especially at 40 years old. Badu Jack, a guy that you mentioned, gets better with every fight. Ever since his lone loss, uh, you know, that shocker at the hand of uh, Derek Edwards, Jack has defied the odds. You know, he's been the underdog against Anthony Durrell when he won that WBC super middleweight title. He's been the underdog against George Groves. He was the underdog against James DeGaval when um, they had, you know, one of the best fights of 2017 that fought to a majority draw. You know, Jack, after the DeGaul fight, he moves up to the 175-pound division. He dismantles Nathan Cleaverly with that nonstop volume punching and body attack. Uh, you know, Cleaverly uh, was on the road in that fifth round, uh, Tony Weeks had no choice but to rescue him. You know, was that fight a sign 
that Badu Jack was struggling to make 168 pounds. Remember, after the uh, James DeGal fight, Floyd Mayweather said, you know, Badu Jack is moving up. Badu Jack is a 175-pound fighter. And his team alluded to several fights before that that he was having trouble making 168 pounds. You know, I think the time is right to dethrone Adonis Stevenson, the 40-year-old uh, who's had a very relaxed schedule. Um, you know, time can be the biggest enemy. You know, the guy that's only dangerous early. But, you know, Badu Jack, when watching that Nathan Cleverly fight again the other night, he has that one bad habit. He takes a while to get going. You mentioned something earlier on where, you know, was Adonis Stevenson going to go out and try and get him out of there quickly? You know, that four-inch reach advantage, that's, you know, that's also a, a, another um, big factor into this because Nathan Cleveland was able, you know, to snap the head of Badu Jack back several times, you know, using that jab. You know, Eric, uh, uh, Derek Edwards uh, stopped him in the first round. James DeGale dropped him in the first round. You know, so uh, Badu Jack, in my opinion, if he's going to you know, go out there and win this, he has to somehow smother Adonis Stevenson early, push Adonis Stevenson back. He has to uh, work the body of the 40-year-old. And then, you know, after that, I think, you know, by the third or fourth round, it should all go his way, and he should possibly win a stoppage. But, you know, if he's not on his game, and if he allows Adonis Stevenson to go out there and get off early, Badu Jack is going to go to sleep early. So this is a 50-50 fight, in my opinion. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I have a hard uh, time um, deciding on this. As much as I'd like to see Adonis Stevenson dethroned, I think he's going to stop Badu Jack rather early. Um, Very good, Dex. Wow. wow. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple other uh, questions. Um, first and foremost, Lomachenko. Uh, what was your thoughts of his win, and where do you see this guy? I mean, I, I think he's a special fighter, Dax. I think that... <laughs> Uh, Vasily Lomachenko is is the type of fighter, and he's so special that they only come along once in a while. And I and I and I keep telling people you got to watch this kid because before you know it, his career is going to be over. And you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I think he's this extremely special fighter. What's your thoughts on his win over uh, Jorge Linares, and how do you see him? Uh, you know, overall. Of course he's a special fighter. You know, you, you don't accomplish what you did in the amateurs um, unless you're a special fighter. He, um, they, they publicize his training regimens. He does things that you don't see other guys do. But, you know, also uh, Vassal Lomachenko, he's not um, impervious. He's not unbeatable. Uh, Gary Russell Jr., uh, a uh, guy, you know, he showed he's not unbeatable. Orlando Salido showed he's not unbeatable. Um, but also I've seen the biggest flaw – that I seen in Vasyl Lomachenko is Vasyl Lomachenko, just like the Orlando Salido fight, he does not like to be pushed backwards, and Vasyl Lomachenko does not like to be bullied. Um, if you noticed in that fight against Linares, Lomachenko was complaining a lot. He was complaining about legal blows. They were complaining about hits behind the head that never took place. Um, there was, uh, I think even before the fight started, they uh, had asked the referee about uh, low blows. And, you know, Lomachenko wore his uh, belt line a little bit high. So, you know, Lomachenko, you know, he's definitely a talent. He's definitely, uh, you know, a great boxer. But, you know, once Lomachenko goes in there against somebody like a Mikey Garcia, who, you know, he might very well be a better boxer then. But I think, you know, once somebody can go in there and bully Vasyl Lomachenko around, somebody who's not dazzled by Vasyl Lomachenko, I think Vasyl Lomachenko is very beatable. And I think Vasyl Lomachenko would actually melt down very much the way a lot of his opponents have melted down. Wow, interesting. One last thing, Dax. I yeah, listen, listen. I, you know, I, I've seen the ridiculousness. You know, you yourself are always critical of how these people overhype guys. Uh, you know, but you know, ever since then, I have seen people talk about Vasyl Lomachenko at lightweight. He'd have beat Roberto Duran. It'd have been a no mas. Uh, no. Somebody. Uh, uh, um, 
uh, in the email earlier talking about uh, Willie Pep. I've seen guys, you know, uh, the comparisons. I actually seen somebody say that Terrence Crawford, because Vasyl Lomachenko said he wanted to go to 140 pounds, Terrence Crawford actually fled the division. You know, this is what I mean, how people get way too excited. Is he a very talented fighter? Yes. Is he one of the best fighters in the world? Maybe number one, maybe number two, maybe number three. But he is beatable. You know, so it let, let's not blow this up. Well, I, I, I am definitely blowing it up. I think that he's an exceptional fighter. And his movement and fluidness in the ring, I haven't seen in, in a long time. So, uh, now, Roberto you know, Duran, you know, different you know, story. We, we, we different said story. that event about Roman Gonzalez not too long ago. Those same words came out of everybody's uh, not, mouth. Not uh, me, but, not me. You know, he, he, was, he did not display the skill set that Lomachenko does. He was a power puncher and everything else. But one last question. Um, we were talking in depth about it. The fight between uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder appears to be getting closer and closer. Uh, apparently, uh, they're stuck on one last uh, stipulation, the location of the fight. Uh, basically, uh, uh, Team Wilder has said, hey, we're giving you $50 million, but we, were, we thought it was going to be in the U.S. Um, my thoughts, and I don't know if you listened, but I think that the, fi- the first fight at least should be in the U.K. I, I think that... The fans need to see a fight with the energy that 90,000 uh, live uh, fans in, in, in the seats would, would generate. What's your thoughts on that uh, fight? Where do you think the first shot fight should be? Well, going back to your point, you know, when um, guys want to talk about greatness and they want to talk about uh, putting their place within these these legends of, the ring, whether or not you're going back to a Jack Dempsey or a Jack Johnson or a Joe Lewis or a Mike Tyson or a Lennox Lewis, you know, whoever you want to uh, go out there and say, you know what? Yes, you want to go out there and get the biggest venue with the most seating. And right now, of course, that would be over in the UK. Also on that hand, because Anthony Joshua holds the majority of the titles, then you know what? Anthony Joshua more or less is the A-side or uh, the more accomplished fighter, however you want to put it. Um, third of all, if you want to sit there and talk about what well, boxing is a business, which, you know, it, it is a business, but, you know, that just seems to be a word that we hear more and more and more. If it's a business, listen, the U.K. is the place for it to be. Why? Because not only will they be uh, making that U.K. pay-per-view money, but it's going to be aired on earlier uh, here in the United States. You know, so you're going to get that U.S. audience. You're going to get the U.K. pay-per-view money. You know, there's a lot more money involved to be, uh, there. And considering that, you know, this is going to be for all the marvels, this is going to be for the undisputed lineal light, uh, heavyweight championship of the world. You know, I expect there to be a rematch. You put the first one there, and then you put the second one here. And you know what? Hey, if let's say one guy wins in the UK, the other one wins in the US, then what you do is you really, really, really turn this into the world heavyweight title again and you fight in a location that's neutral, not in the UK, not in the United States. You go somewhere like South Africa, you go somewhere to Australia, you go someplace like South America, and then you truly make it the world heavyweight title once again. Good points. Dax, glad to see you back. We'll look forward to you Monday, brother. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just one thing, just one mo- uh, note, you know, condolences, uh, you know, uh, to the passing of uh, Troy Waters, uh, you know, the former Australian common- Australian and uh, Commonwealth Super Welterweight Champion, also former World Title Challenger. Um, he passed away yesterday at age 53 due to his long battle with leukemia. Uh, uh-huh. Guys might remember him with his uh, fights against Felix Trinidad, Simon Brown, Terry Norris, Jorge Vaca. Um, back in um, 1995 was a horrible year, uh, you know, for us guys up in the Capital District for boxing, you know, he 
had scored a win over uh, one of the local guys, Kevin Pompey. And, you know, that same uh, year, just a couple months later, Bernal Phillip lost his WBO 154-pound Paul Jones over in uh, the U.K. So, you know, just again, you know, condolences out there, uh, you know, to the Waters family. He always gave us great and exciting fights. One last thing. Here's something interesting, Bill, for you. Come on, uh, Colombo. Come on, Colombo. You know, on Twitter... People have been talking about Javante Davis, and somebody sends out there, a couple of fans sent out there, I wonder when his contract with Mayweather Promotions is up. Javante Davis, usually who has something, you know, uh, smart to say, you know, like I said, you know, he seemed to have changed his attitude with Kevin Cunningham, tweeted out, me too, with a confused emoji, you know, one, uh, one of those emojis with those look like, you know, I wonder when my contract is up. What do you think that can mean? You think Durante Davis might be a little unhappy with uh, Mayweather promotions, and he's you know kind of saying to himself, "When can I move on and get on to better things?" I hope he, I hope it, that's exactly what it means because I I, I love Javante Davis and and talk about Lomachenko. I love that fight. Those That'd two. That would be a great fight. Yeah, and uh, Mayweather. I mean, listen, Mayweather's ego, and we talked about this the other day. Mayweather's ego will always prevent fighters that fight under his banner from reaching a, a, a certain level because he just doesn't want fighters to to experience what he has. I, I'm sorry. he's As much as I think that Mayweather Promotion should be the best uh, American-based promotional company, Floyd has to change in order for that to happen. That that's my And I hope Javante runs like uh, he's running from the Bulls. I, I really do. Uh, we'll see. All right, and, uh, my man. On we'll... the undercard this summer of uh, uh, Mikey Garcia and Robert Easter Jr. near unification bout, David Benavidez is going to defend his 168-pound uh, WBC title against Matt Korobov. All right, Dax, we'll talk to you Monday, my man. All right, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the fights. That's uh, Dax Khan back uh, uh, in, uh, in the saddle, and uh, we'll look forward to his thoughts uh on uh, on monday but uh in any event um interesting sal his opinion on uh lomachenko a little harsh uh, he's really the only person so far that has not given uh vasily lomachenko um the accolades that uh most have including myself i, I do think he's a special fighter and and i, I do think that um, you know, he would have fared well against any of the all-time greats in his uh, in his weight class. Now, the one point that he did make was that he doesn't seem to like those <clears throat> pro moves, you know, the little elbows, the, the, the shot that might stray a little low. And ultimately, that was how he suffered his lone defeat as a pro against Orlando Salido uh, for that reason. He, he was expecting you know, uh, pure, clean fighting. Uh, so that's something that he needs to overcome, don't you think? Well, yeah, of course you do. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to be able to, no pun intended, but maybe, roll with the punches. I mean, fighting is, is a tough game. And, uh, you know, there's going to be low blows. There's going to be inside elbows. There's going to be a lot of things. And, yeah, that, that kind of, you know, I, a referee should spot those things and, and should make the warnings or tap on his shoulders and things like that. And for the most part, they do when they see it. But I often do not really care to see when fighters repeatedly have to do that. You think you bring it to the attention of the referee once, uh, referee will take it from there uh, if it does happen that often. I know if that's the, the, those are the things that do bother Lomachenko, 
he's got to overcome that because you know he may have had hundreds of amateur fights and maybe he's under under uh, uh, 15 uh, pro fights but the bottom line is yep welcome to the pros and he's there and he is a star and uh, he's going to overcome those things and he's gonna do it in, in fashion because he's he's willing to learn he's willing to uh, uh, show what he has and accentuate his assets the best way he can. And I think uh, I think we're only going to see him get better and better as his, his experience and his journey as a professional boxer will continue to lead us. All I know, anytime somebody re- mentions Roberto Duran and doesn't say that how great he was. Now, now when I, when I say this, I, I'll just say this. I, I was not always a Roberto Duran fan. There was a time when, you know, I mean... Th- you know, there was a time when I wasn't that that keen on him, and, and I just didn't appreciate it. But when I went back and 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 revisited, huh, huh? revisited I like that. when I revisited, revisited. I like when, that when, word. when I revisited his early fights, and when Sal and I actually called it for our revisited show, um, you know, I really I really uh, enjoyed it, and, and and the one fight that we saw most recently, Sal. Where he was uh, fighting, I mean, the amount of punches that he threw and and his style was like such a different fighter than you know ten years later when he stepped in with with Leonard. Uh, you know, I, for anybody out there that that looks at Roberto Duran from the Sugar Ray Leonard fights on, okay, because let's face it, I mean, his career from the Sugar Ray Leonard fights in the eighties. Uh, he had a long career, more than most from that point on, but people forget that he had been fighting for a decade before that. So you got to go back and watch those early fights. I mean, this was a guy that was just a, a, a tornado in there. I mean, he would throw so many punches, boom, 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 in and out. It was just very exciting. Well, not only was he a tornado, and I, I'm talking, and I will, I would like to debate Anybody that, that that wants to challenge the fact that I think as a lightweight, 135-pound fighter, it'll be hard to argue uh, with me about the fact that Roberto Duran may have been one of the, if not the best lightweight who ever stepped in a ring, in my opinion. No, you're I'll right. I'll tell you why. I, I, this guy, when you look at those early fights, Bill, this guy was relentless. He could take. He had it all. He could take a shot. He could box. He could move. He could punch. But he was vicious. He was nasty. He wanted to destroy you. He wanted to dismantle you. He didn't care how he did it. That was the end result. And you know, it it showed through on on the way he took care of fighters. I got a uh, super chat here that uh, almost passed me by, and I hope it's. Uh... Uh, it's it's an update on uh, uh, Anthony yeah, Joshua yeah, yeah, yeah. Deontay Wilder. Um, the rumor has it that it looks like it may be taking place on November tenth in Las Vegas. In hey, Las hey, Vegas. Wow. Um, That's got to be from our buddy Johnston, right? Yep, Johnston uh, hooked us up, uh, and I, you know I I think that's a bad move for uh, for AJ. Uh, I really don't think that uh, uh, he should fight this first fight in the States. I think that he deserves to have that fight in the U.K., but I think it's that the— uh, Well, uh, you know what? He, here's the thing. If I'm Anthony Joshua's team, 
to do this, I am the secondary promoter. I'm not promoting this fight. I get my guaranteed $50 million and now make Wilder and his uh, team put their money where their mouth is and promote the fight. Because the truth of the matter is, is if, they, if this fight isn't promoted the way we know Eddie Hearn could promote it, then and, and AJ is guaranteed $50 million, Wilder may be fighting for a lot less. So uh, uh, let's hope that that rumor hey. is true. Maybe we'll uh, uh, hear some more on that by, uh, by Monday morning. I think it's great, and thank you so much, Johnson, for that. And, uh, hey, guess what? November 10th is going to be a great day. And uh, Vegas, why not? It's a great venue. and It almost would appear to be a neutral territory for both fighters. It's out of Barclay, it's out of Brooklyn, and it's also out of the U.K. And with that being said, Anthony Josh was a professional. He could make this into a positive. Anything negative, you learn how to make it into a positive when you're a champ. And, and what he'll do is he's excited. He wants to come to the United States. So what better venue, what better entree to, uh, to be the ambassador from uh, the U.K. than to step into the ring in Vegas? All eyes are on you. So uh, you know what? It'll be great. Yeah, well, you know, I, uh, I still think that uh, they're foolish not to have that fight um, in in Yo, the UK, easy. you and I, I get to watch it in our living room, home. Yeah, but we would either UK. way. We would either way. But my point, my point, <laughs> it, my point is, is I want to see the energy with a live uh, ninety thousand people. You're not going to get that in Vegas. You you're going to get you're going to get twenty thousand at the T-Mobile Arena, and and you know normal fans aren't even going to be there. See, that's the other difference. When you have these big big fights like this in the states. And and the limit the seats are limited where there's you know only fifteen thousand let's say the ordinary fight fan which is the one that makes the atmosphere can't afford to go so they're watching it at home you know and I think that it's critical that you have a fight a bunch of fight fans there you're gonna have people that are going there because it's the event to go to you know what I mean the celebs and stuff oh yeah and you know what but that's what I'm saying this is going to be a big event. They're going to celebrate it. It's maybe not going to be as as the fans in the UK would celebrate a fight at like an event. But this still, they got plenty of time. They're going to design this and they're going to present it. And you're going to see, like I suggested the other day, you're going to see all the dignitaries, all the all the celebrities, all the who's who, uh, the ringside, and you're going to see the seats filled because I I promise you. This fight is big. This fight is very big. And I don't think there's going to be an empty seat. And uh, the casinos will buy them up if they had to and hand them out to the high rollers and everything else. But that's, and, but, no, this, this but that's my fight. point. That's my point. I think that this fight deserves to be shown in front of the majority of boxing fans, not people that just want to attend the event because they want to attend the event. That's, that was my point. Good point, but I think boxing fans will be there. Boxing fans will be there. The purists will be there. And you know what? Guess what? If they're not going to be there, they're going to be on pay-per-view. So I think it's a good move. I think it was a strategy move. And I think uh, I think each side will take whatever they can and make it a positive because that's what they have to do. I don't think the fight should be in these states. I really don't. I'm disappointed if it happens. But like you, I want the fight to happen either way. Anyway. Uh, it's time for the trivia question. So if you're the first one to get this question right, 
uh, you will win your very own copy uh, of the title bout championship computer game, uh, the same uh, game that Alex uses for our blast from the past. Uh, so uh, here's the question. Which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five world champions? Which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five world champions? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Now, I gave a hint yesterday, and um, I'm going to give you another one today. So I'm going to read the question one more time, then the two hints, okay? Um, which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five world champions? The first hint is, as you would imagine, this guy is a Hall of Famer. And the second hint is that um, he had uh, less than 25 fights. So I'm, I'm asking you for how many he had. And I'm giving you a big hint. He had less than 25 by the time he met the five world champions. Uh, and he may have even met more than that. But uh, in any event, if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com, you'll win the prize. Hey, listen, boys and girls, uh, I hope that you uh, take the time uh, during the weekend to watch and enjoy these fights. And uh, you can rest, be rest assured that we will be discussing them and the outcomes on Monday. So make sure you tune in Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na